Welcome to a, a week 12 wrap-up edition, kind of, of the goal line stand, all football, all the time. I am Michael Lipinski, joined as always by Brett Halpern. We are coming to you live from the Michael's Glass Company virtual studio. Michael's Glass Company serving the Philadelphia tri-state area since 1978, 215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner, sportstalkphilly.com. Find us on social media. That's everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and the Twitter at GL Stand Show. And I say kinda because we are recording this on Wednesday before the Wednesday <sighs> afternoon Monday night football game, which should have been a Joe Webb special and now is just a Wednesday game. Yeah, we should come up with a name for the Wednesday games. Uh, I think it's got to be the Rockefeller special or something yeah. to that effect because yeah. so everybody knows because if you play fantasy football, you've been affected by this. If you're someone that has anybody on the Steelers or the Ravens, COVID outbreak pushes the game from Thanksgiving to Sunday to Monday to Tuesday to finally here we are Wednesday, the, a day before the start of the next game week. And instead of playing a primetime game at 8 o'clock on NBC, we got to watch the Christmas tree get lit. I can't even imagine there's going to be a crowd at that either. There's not going to be a crowd, but apparently this brings in huge ratings for NBC, which I can believe. I, yeah, I, I get that. It's a, rate, a ratings thing. The, the Christmas tree won out. I, I don't know what to tell you. Rockefeller's Christmas tree won out over football. I guess it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to be there, I don't think. I don't think they're allowing fans in Pittsburgh either. So whatever. You can play this wherever, whenever. I'm actually surprised NBC didn't move the game to primetime and move the Christmas tree lighting back one day. Because I'd have to imagine that a Steelers-Ravens game would get better ratings than whatever you would normally put, aside from Christmas tree lighting on a random Wednesday evening on NBC in December. I would I would think <clears> so, but, I, you know, we're here on a podcast. We're not TV executives. That's true. I don't know. So this is the first time since 2012 you brought up this stat, which I had forgotten about. Uh, traditionally, yeah. the Eagles, like the Eagles, excuse me, the NFL, we'll get to the Eagles in a second. The <laughs> NFL opens up its season on a Thursday night. Yeah. Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champion, the whole nine yards uh, in 2012. The season opener between the Giants and the Cowboys was moved to Wednesday because of the Republican National Convention. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. I do remember it, but that was the first time since the 1940s. Yeah, the National Football League played a game on Wednesday. Yeah, I think in general, it's only happened maybe 30 or 30 to 40 times, but up until these last two, meaning this one today in the 2012 game, it all happened in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yeah, I actually had, when we had the first Joe Webb special coming up, now we're going to have another one. We're going to get to that in a second. I was doing some research to see, okay, when when was the last time, other than that Eagles-Vikings game, there was a Joe Webb special? And yeah. if you go back into the, the infancy of the league, they actually played almost on Every, seven days a week, there was a game because yeah. of just what it was. Obviously, you had guys working in packing boxes in Green yeah. Bay who were doing their real job. So 
all right, well, we can get everyone out at noon on Thursday. They're going to play. And it was interesting to see that. I had, I can kind of remember reading that, but until I saw it again, I was like, oh, yeah, different game then. Yeah, well, I mean, you weren't beholden to a TV schedule, and you're right. I actually, I enjoy, I should have written down some of the teams that had played on Wednesdays when I was looking into this. Um, but I can tell you one team that appeared like they had a ton of these Wednesday games were the Staten Island Stapletons in the late 20s and early 30s, which I had heard about that team. Uh, and then they, they ended up folding. And I believe I believe the New York Giants actually just literally uh, consumed them and purchased them or consumed whatever was left of the contracts of players. But, you know, that's something I'm sure we'll get a deeper dive into in the offseason. It's, it's definitely some interesting conversations there. So here's the trickle-down effect, week 13. Washington, uh, Dallas at Baltimore, which was supposed to be the Thursday night game. It's supposed to be tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Was now is now moved to Tuesday. Joe, uh, an official Joe Webb special, uh, yeah. uh, right as of right now, uh, at eight o- eight o'clock on I- NBC. I'm not NBC, excuse me, Fox. Yeah, NFL Network that whole night. Washington at Pittsburgh, which was supposed to be Sunday, has now been moved to Monday at five o'clock, and you're going to get a doubleheader, a Monday Night Football doubleheader. Yeah, I see. I don't mind the Monday night doubleheader. I just wish it was more of a 6.30, or a 7.10 as opposed to 5.8. But that's just being nitpicky. I agree with you. I didn't even – I actually didn't pay too much attention to what the other Monday night game is. I'm going to take a look at it right now. So who is it? It's um, what Buffalo uh, – Buffalo at San Francisco. So yeah. we're – well, Buffalo at San Francisco in Arizona. Which we're going to get to down the yeah. line here. <laughs> so I guess he could have moved it back a couple hours. You could have moved that to a 9-15 kickoff. You move yeah. the, the, the Steelers game to 6 or 7 yeah. with a little bit of an overlap. Yeah. Anyway, that's here. Here we are, COVID. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, it, it's thrown fantasy football people into a frenzy because yeah. of yeah, the – I saw – ESPN, I'm in an ESPN league and a Yahoo league, and both put out statements saying that this game would count for week 12. It should. Yeah. But moving forward, you might not get the points if this were to happen again. You, you, you're just going to have to play accordingly. Because I have I have two, I have Baltimore going, Baltimore's defense, yeah. and I have Gus Edwards because everybody else ended up on the goddamn COVID list where he's yeah. injured. So I'm screwed. It's uh, it's definitely an issue, and normally the waiver wires would be for Wednesday morning, so they've been pushed back, I guess, till tomorrow morning. I should probably know this, considering I'm a commissioner of a league. But I know I know Yahoo and ESPN both said Friday, so I would because uh, there's no Thursday oh. game now. So oh yeah, that's right. There's no Thursday game. Everything's all thrown up. Better yeah. they're angry. Uh, you know who else is angry? Philadelphia Eagles fans. <laughs> And we're going to get into this. And I don't know. I'm not. I shouldn't be surprised because if anyone listens to this program, would have heard the preview where I said I don't think the Eagles are going to be that good. This was back in August, September. Yeah. I was very adamant that they were going to be a sub 500 team. I got to tell you, I didn't think it was going to be this. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. And I, I I've been racking my brain as an Eagles fan. You know, I'm 38 years old or 37 years old. 
I have another year again. Damn it. Uh, I'm 37 years old. I used to went to a lot of Eagles games in, in, in my younger days. Saw a lot of bad Eagles teams in my younger days. I really don't remember it being this bad outside of like injury stuff. Like, all right, 2005 was awful. You had Mike McMahon at quarterback. Even 1994, when you had Brad Goble, Bobby Brister, that whole thing going on, it's because there was injuries. And, you know, even the the, the one, I guess, is 98 with Andy Reid, his first year, but you knew what you were getting, right? You, you, that, you, you ex, you, there was an acceptance there, like, all right, this is going to be bad because yeah. we need it to be bad so it can become good again. Yeah. This is, quote, unquote, the new normal of I have no idea what <clears throat> it's it's definitely strange I, I to me I don't know you some of those teams you mentioned I, I also vividly remember um there, there were some ugly ball back then in a few specific years in the 90s the tail end of the Ray Rhodes era was was pretty bad like you said the beginning of the Andy Reid era this is just strange though it's it's perplexing. So I guess to start, the defense did not play terribly, right? Well, the defense didn't play. The defensive line played actually. I thought pretty pretty well. Uh, they were getting so after the linebackers. Team. Well, because you you have you have legit linebackers. Like we we have we've had this conversation before. We're talking about linemen. In our, if you go back and listen to our draft stuff. If you draft a lineman or sign a lineman um, uh, as a free agent from a Big Ten program, yeah. you kind of know what you're going to get, most of them. Yeah. And I, I feel that same way about certain like linebackers. Like uh, TJ Edwards is yeah. from Wisconsin. I know that he was undrafted, but he played Big Ten football. So yeah. you should know that he's going to be a decent player at linebacker. Yeah. People can can tweet at us at us at uh, GL Stand Show and say, "Yeah, well, the other idiot is from Nebraska, but he was a safety, so it, it's different." And, and then you have, um, oh man, uh, Singleton, who he was the Canadian Defensive Player of the Year. Had a very I, nice game, right? And I know it's Canada and it's a different game, but it's still football. And if you can do it there chances are you can come down here and be okay at it. And Cameron that's Wake, where we are. Cameron Wake is an example. Right. There's obviously a few quarterbacks we could mention. Warren Moon, Jeff Garcia. But this but, is this is yeah. them. This is luck. This is luck with these two guys. It wasn't like, oh, we went out and found this gem up in Calgary. Yeah. No, it, it, they, they fell into this because yeah. Gary got hurt and, uh, you know, someone took their thumb out of their ass. Yeah, and it's actually the linebacking play has been much better since Nate Gary got hurt. No, I, no, I, I, no kidding. Yeah, I know. But I, I, so I, I'm, I'm just starting off with any positives you can see from the game. I, you know, I, again, I just, I didn't think in general the Seahawks did not move the. If DK Metcalf was not in that game, the Seahawks would not have scored. Uh, you're you're and, right, and 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 so here look, you brought it up. So we got to talk about. Oh, let's talk about it now. Um, Darius Slay, one of the worst games ever, right? I think it's it's safe to say that he had a really, really bad game against DK Metcalf. He was singled up on him. So 
he had a rough game statistically, but there were a, a few of those long deep passes to DK Metcalf. Darius Slay had the perfect coverage. It's just he's going up against a man child. There's no other way to put it. He's going uh, okay. up against a guy who's physically superior to him, bigger, faster. It, so, it, he couldn't do any more, and neither could have any other corner in the league. You're absolutely correct, and thank you for leading me right into my next point. Which That's is how we work. Which, yeah, you know, you you see what's happening. You're yeah. up there on the 50 yard line in your in the booth and a coach, and you're saying, "Oh boy." Probably early on, like, this ain't good. We got to do something. We got to give him some help. Give the man help over the top, something. Yeah. The Eagles didn't do it. They left Darius Slay out on an island to try and, and figure that out. And you know what? To his credit, I his comments after the game saying he didn't need help. I like that attitude. But you need a coach to say, we're going to give him help because we have a better opportunity to win this game. The other guys on the field for, for Seattle aren't doing anything. We gotta focus here, but yeah. you know and, they, they and, don't do that. And to their credit, they even, except for maybe one or two plays, and then there was the defensive pass interference, which was not a defensive pass interference on Avante Maddox. They pretty much shut Tyler Lockett out. He yeah, didn't they, do much. No, yeah, I look defensively, they played well. They yeah. played well enough to win the game. Yeah, we. This kind of seems to be the, the the trend here. The defense has played well enough to win the game. There was stupid penalties on the defense, and yeah. I, I have a whole thing on coaching. We're going to get to that. Well, let's talk about this offense. This offense Oof. is broken. You have a quarterback that is mentally broken, and at this point, I'm starting to believe it's not on Carson Wentz. You don't go from being MVP caliber player to this, it just doesn't happen. Like this isn't the yips kind of thing. This, this is a complete, this is a fall off of a cliff. Think of someone who's, he played so consistently his, even yeah. last year leading up yeah. to the playoff run, that might've been better than what he did in 17. And people forget that because he well, did it with nobody. Right, and he did it with not, nobody. No receiver a year ago had over 500 receiving yards. So think about that. Yeah. I, I don't know what the hell's going on here. It, you, make it, you make an excellent point, and it very well could be. The, you know, the thing is we don't know. It, um, I do think it could be a confluence of a lot of different things. Um, even though I don't like the guy, I, I do follow his Twitter and, and his breakdowns. Brian Baldinger highlighted the – I don't know if you saw this, Mike, on, on Twitter. He highlighted the the long Dallas Goddard pass that ended up hitting Bobby Wagner in the head. Well, if you look at the All-22, because Baldinger gets access to that quicker than we do through the NFL game pass, um, both Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham were wide open. And this was not an issue of pass blocking – which we're going to get to in a minute, which is on most plays. But on this particular play, it was blocked up very well. And Baldinger is going, what on earth are you doing? Not only did you make a poor throw, but the decision to throw that ball made no sense. You had two guys who would have given you 20 yards. 
who are white, and literally no one's covering them. So I got to believe it's partially in Carson Wentz's head. Oh, it is. So, but that brings me to the next, that's kind of the next point. So that happens. They're going to watch that on film on Mon- on Tuesday and, and they're going to say, same thing. Yeah. At what point is it, hey, you don't need to make that throw. And maybe this is occurring. I don't know. There's so much going on. You hear the rumors coming out of the locker room. You don't need to make that throw. You have a guy here and a guy here that you can hit. One of whom, Fulgham, you know, Carson Wentz had a nice rapport with. Yeah. Now, maybe that's changed because in practice, you have uh, Alshon Jeffrey taking reg- uh, taking Fulgham's snaps. So yeah. I don't know. Regular, I could see where Carson Wentz is in as confident with him, maybe yeah. is a good word. You have a quarterback here that just lacks confidence. Yeah. He's not put in a position to do what he needs to do consistently. You know, of course, you can nitpick plays here and there, and I'm not saying you are, but yeah, Eagles social media certainly is. You know, you can nitpick plays here and there, but you got to put a guy in a position to win. We've talked about this where the Eagles run the ball fairly well when they run the ball, yeah. six, seven yards a pop, you know, yeah, fumble issues here and there, Miles Sanders, but it's something if you, you, you got to take the pressure off the kid a little bit, the guy, yeah. and, and they don't do it. Nine design runs on Monday night, nine. Now that's yeah. not including Carson Wentz dropping back saying, Oh shit. Jalen Hurts is on the sideline. He might come in. I'm just going to go run over a linebacker for the, for the, the Seahawks. Yeah, nine runs, nine. Uh, the first five series, three and five, three and outs. This is just in- insanity. Yeah, it, very strange. Very strange. Look, once you would think that they would create plays also to boost his confidence, as opposed to designing plays where he has to make tougher reads and. Like he's not as accurate as he was last year. His accuracy is an issue right now. So build his confidence, not take him out for, and then you take him out for two plays to put in Jalen hurts. And this is, this was the sum total of the Jalen hurts experiment this week of getting him first team reps. So, and again, this comes back to coaching. So this is a coaching thing. If you wanted to put Jalen hurts in, you put him in for a series or there was two. no plan. There was no plan. There was no yeah. plan whatsoever. There's whatever is going on. The rumor and innuendo is that Doug Peterson is not happy. Jeffrey Lurie is not happy. Doug Peterson is not happy with Howie Roseman and the players that he's getting. Can't blame him when you watch DK Metcalf do what he did. And JJ Ortega Whiteside is not even in the building. So, you know, I, I can't blame. Uh, you, you can see, I, I don't blame Jeff Lurie. I don't blame Doug Peterson for being pissed off. Yeah. This whole thing is just nuts. You you don't waste a second round pick on a quarterback and his special quote unquote package and enhanced playing time is two plays. Two. Yeah. And considering the helmet. Yeah. He shouldn't even have the other helmet on this. I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious when I say coaching, you know, uh, when I go back to my coaching, when I, Think of coaching and guys, the people that coached us up. What are some of the things that we had to do? We had to have our helmets in a straight line. Yeah. 
You all had to, everyone had to be in a straight line. Attention to detail. Forgetting putting the wrong helmet on it is a big, it's something like that where I say, this is falling apart. Forget the lack of the runs and all this stuff. It's the little simple things that crop up like that. Like, well, what the hell's going on here? You, yeah. you, you can't even get the player the right equipment. And I don't know. It, right now, the offense is flawed at every level on the field and the coaching. And that's, that's a significant problem. The quarterback play is poor. The plan with respect to the implementation of Jalen Hurts is off and or non-existent. The fact that you even drafted him, it, it's just it's suspect at best. And it's not we're not even calling into question Jalen Hurts' ability. But you look, you know, they even outlined it at, during the game. It is literally a financial impossibility to get rid of Carson Wentz. Frankly, I think even in the next two years, but definitely the next you if you got rid of him next year, you'd have to have a game. You'd have to have a team complete with just league minimum players. That's how much money he's in. You've invested in him. Well, uh, and, and who is that on? That's on Howie. If this whole thing is on Howie. Well, yeah, this whole thing is on Howie Roseman. If I'm Doug Peterson, there's just you can see there's a power struggle. You can yeah. see it, and this is why Andy Reid and everyone crapped all over him when he was here, asked for more, asked for the power. He wanted yeah. the guys like Banner, Modrak, uh, the guy front that went to to, to Denver. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Passed away. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, him, uh-huh. you know, the same thing with Chip Kelly. Flawed as he may have been, he had the right idea because he needed to get his guys. And – this is just uh, Howie Roseman is the problem here. He is yeah. the start of the problem. He's the it's an iceberg, but he is the tip of that iceberg. You can't blame Doug Peterson when he has guys that are that shouldn't be in the league. Yeah, that that shouldn't be playing. You're you're pulling guys off of practice squads. Uh, it, it, it's it's insanity, and then you're yeah. giving guys contracts when I, I don't know if it's like the the Dawkins effect here. Like they should have they this organization should have kept Brian Dawkins, they didn't. Now they feel like they owe everyone a big contract. You have a kicker who is just god awful. You can't do anything with him. He's a fucking kicker. I mean, you could go get a girl off the soccer team to kick literally or uh, or a guy walk on soccer soccer team kicker you know and, and pay them league minimum but you have to give a kicker millions of dollars and he can't go anywhere this is howie roseman's fault until he is gone there it's not going to change uh it, it's definitely a lot of issues and then i we, we didn't discuss it so just to get you know more specifically, the wide receivers, there's no one who can get separation. Honestly, I haven't, except for his first catch in the season opener, I have not seen one spark of talent from Jalen Rager. If, I haven't seen anything where I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. He's he's a first-rounder. If you remember, we and you do, we went back and go to our post-draft show, 
we talked about it. He was more slotted as a two, a second rounder, excuse me, not, yeah. you know, second rounder, very much a reach, very much a guy that he's not even, it's not even like Deshaun Jackson back in the day fast. He's not really going to take the top. He's not that fast. He had bad hands, doesn't run, didn't run great routes. Yeah. So what, what do we have here? What are we drafting? Explain it to me. And we can go through the guys that, you know, that, that, that they could have drafted. No, he could still turn it around, but yeah. Oh, by the way, I saw your second round uh, linebacker made a, uh, he made a nice tackle on a punt coverage. Oh, that's that's just fantastic. I might've fallen asleep at that point if it was in the fourth quarter. And, you know, look, Travis Fogel, my like Alshon Jeffrey's done. The problem is you have so much financially tied up with him. You couldn't get rid of him yet. Um, But he doesn't have to play. Yeah, well, there is a direct correlation to the drop off of Travis Fulgham, and it's twofold. Yeah, the lead. The, let's talk Travis Fulgham. I mean, here's a guy. Yeah, yes, the coaches watch film in the National Football League. They're going to figure him out rather quickly. However, there was a great relationship between Wentz and Fulgham. You could see it. I mean, that there was a trust factor. That throw against the Niners, a lot yeah. of different plays that were made. All of a sudden, Alshon Jeffrey comes back and gets considerable amount of reps, and there's a fall off from Travis Fulgham. So, what is it here? Like, why I know the money, we get the money. You're going to sit him on the sideline. Here's your helmet. Have at it. Just, but he's a mal- he'll be a malcontent in the locker room. So I guess he can. Yeah, and I guess the the argument is he does have talent, or at least did. So you at least have to try him out to see if he still has it. Uh, but to me, it's clear he is not the same. And he's still injured. So he's just not the same player. You know, I will tell you, I, I like Dallas Goddard a lot. And I, I look, two two tight ends are better than one. Zach Ertz is a very good tight end. You could definitely trade Zach Ertz. Uh, I, I agree with you. It's going to be really interesting here over the next couple weeks to see what happens. Because like I, I know the Eagles are only a half game in the division out of the division. They're done. They're toast. They're going up to Green Bay. They're going to get annihilated by the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. <laughs> annihilated. They're going to they they play the Cardinals. They're going to get destroyed by by that by that squad. Dallas is playing better, and you also have uh, what's their faces? They, Don't uh, they still have New Orleans? Oh yeah, I forgot about New Orleans. That's Drew Brees coming back. So that, that'll be good. You got a healthy Drew Brees who hasn't played in a bunch of weeks. Yeah. This is, they're looking at a three, maybe four win season. And I'm, I'm interested in seeing what happens here, what the dynamic is going to be moving forward. Uh, Doug Peterson came out and said, maybe he'll give up the play calling duties. I don't know that it matters. You don't have a coordinator. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's it's just, a, and, and that offensive line's a mess. And, and I, and, and that's part of the problem. And injuries happen. But again, if you draft correctly, if you bring in the right guys, it's not going to matter. But you're going to have the next guy come in. It, it happened in the Super Bowl run. Yeah, yeah. nobody was ban- no one was banking on on these guys getting hurt. But you should have been banking on Jason Peters as it is. And that's yeah. another one. So Mylotta, Jordan Mylotta, played well again. You don't you didn't really hear his name. You know, Decently, yeah, yeah. I, I for a rugby guy. From New Zealand. Yeah. And he should have been in all season long. All season long. This is a failure of the coaching staff to to do the right thing. 
Yeah, and Jason Peters is just he's too banged up. Larry Warford would have looked good right now. Yeah. Is he still available? I don't know. I haven't checked. I, I'm I'm done. I'm done talking. I'm done talking Eagles. I'm done. You know, they can't do anything. They can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. You know who else can't throw the ball before we talk Giants? Yeah. Uh, the, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> um, and, oh, poor team. Oh, man. So for the, the stat was funny. Uh, so the Broncos had, as everybody knows, had one quarterback. Uh, they were forced to go to Kendall Hinton, who was a practice squad. Who was he? Wake Forest, right? Wake Forest. Yeah. TV. And uh, they essentially ran a single wing. Yeah. For most of that game. He was the backup at Wake Forest. A month ago, he was working in the private sector. And they signed him as a wide receiver, but elevated him knowing he was the only one in the entire franchise that could, that had quarterback experience. Because everyone else tests, Jeff Driscoll tested positive. And the other quarterbacks who were in the quarterback room had, were all deemed high risk, close contact. So they all went on COVID. And in order to bring someone on the team with all the COVID protocols, you need six days. So they were screwed. But what I thought was bullshit, they wanted to sign one of their assistant coaches who had gone through the COVID protocols and the league wouldn't let them. I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get. I saw that they wouldn't allow him. I allow it to occur. I don't know what the thought process was. Yeah, uh, it's just probably the NFL being the NFL in a situation. But hey, I mean, it, it, he had a great comment, and I should have saved the tweet afterwards where he talked about this is every you know this is every player's dream, and it doesn't matter how it occurs. And the Broncos even put out a fantastic tweet. You know, this it's not about the score; it's about you know the challenge to get there. I think this highlights the the COVID protocol a little bit. We talked about this early before the season started. Uh, the Eagles were doing it with uh, what's his name, the backup, played for every team in the league. No Josh longer, McCown. Josh McCown, where he was living in Texas, and they were yeah. zooming him. I, I thought that was going to kind of become the regular. I wonder if it's gone back to that now, where teams are like, you know what, we got to take one of our guys, and he can't even be there. I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of teams. Uh, that have done that. I think that's also why they didn't push back this game because Denver had all these guys in the same room where I know a lot of other teams have made sure that the quarterbacks are in different rooms during their meetings, which because of this would make sense. It's now forever going to be known as the Denver situation. It is good. It's unbelievable. And the, the irony of it all is it occurred with them in 2011 with Tim Tebow. Yes, but that was designed. Yes, that, that was designed. Yeah. Well, sticking with the uh, COVID stuff and the COVID news, San Francisco 49ers no longer have a home. Santa Clara County has basically just said, uh, you're screwed. We have too much going on. Nothing. No contact. No contact practices of any level from preschool all the way up to the pros. So here we are. Uh, the, the 49ers. Are now are they the Phoenix 49ers? Have they officially been dubbed the the Phoenix 49ers since it's already the Arizona Cardinals? We could call them that. Yeah. Well, so the the Niners are, I guess, Glendale, technically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the 49ers uh, are making their new home in Glendale, Arizona. 
at least for home. the next two games. Yeah, at least for the next two games, home of the Arizona Cardinals. Are they practicing there as well? I I do not know that. I they they have not released that to my knowledge. I, I feel so. like they would almost have to, considering I, I practice was barred as well in Santa Clara, unless they're just gonna say screw it. Or unless you're going to just practice at some facility. So, for instance, I don't know what if their stadium is on the county limits, right? Where five miles away, you could go to another facility and do that. I, again, I don't know. I'm just, you know, spitballing here. So, it's look, you know me. I've, I've said from the get-go, I am all for in my and 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 mindful of it you know the covid restrictions to try to get this disease under control here is one if you're not going to have anyone in the stands is having a game at this stadium where these guys are going through a more rigorous protocol than anyone in the regular public is this really that adding that much more of a danger to the public no, this is just politics. This is I, I is. feel like this is I I get stopping the high school sports. Agreed. Well, they're not even doing the high school, they're not even yeah. playing the high school sports in California. I guess Nobody's, yeah, I guess well, I guess this would stop like high school wrestling and basketball. Okay, but I'm sure if they've already canceled football, and I don't know, I'm not I don't follow what, what's going on. I knew they you know yeah. football was put to the spring. I imagine that yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. It makes no yeah. sense. This sounds like it's a little bit of a of a political thing. Yeah. And yeah. But you know, uh, so I, I do and again, like I said, you know me, I've always erred on the side of being super cautious and all of that. Uh so it's um yeah, I, I don't I don't see why this was necessary, but you know, it's going to make for a great story when we look back on this. So for the next two games, they're playing out there. I'm interested. It's interesting that they ended up going to Arizona and I didn't look at the schedule. So maybe a place like LA can't handle three teams. It didn't work out Arizona for whatever reason, it worked out perfectly in terms of their home and aways. Got it. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Now me being the sixth son of a bitch that I am, no. I, yeah. I need to know, like, okay, what's the field going to look like? Because this is the things I worry about, right? So they're going to be playing in, in State Farm Stadium in Arizona. Is it going to be all done up with Cardinal stuff? Or are they actually going to turn around and put Niners things in there and make it look like a 49ers home game? I would suspect they're going to have an NFL shield at the 50 and diagonal lines in the end zone. You know, that's just – that's chintzy. You can't do it. It's cheap. Okay, then go – I don't know. Go go find somewhere else to play. That's the other problem. They had to play the, – the game has gotten so technological. You have to play at what's deemed a pro-ready stadium. They could have so gone to they, Sun Devil, right? No. it's that, I don't think that's deemed a pro-ready stadium. It's the same reason they couldn't go up to – for instance, they couldn't go to Oakland or go. Oh, yeah, to, that hasn't been a pro ready. That hasn't been a pro ready stadium for for a long, long time. Or play at Stanford. I don't. I don't know if Stanford is in Santa Clara County because Stanford, I think, is like twenty miles actually north, closer to San Francisco from where they are. 
It's the same reason they couldn't go up to UC Berkeley, which has been renovated, but it's still not technologically what a, you know capable. It, it, you need a the the pro stadiums now. It's just a different level, so it, it definitely limits you in that regard. So, or you couldn't go down to the Murph. Well, the Murph is no longer there. They started taking it apart. So that's why you're going to have some issues. That's a good point. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> they, I, they or the Carson go, Stadium. Yeah, they couldn't go down to play soccer. I mean, uh, the soccer stadium. Actually, no, that would make a lot of sense. Because the they played there last year. Right, exactly. I don't know. Just it's, it's, These are the questions. Yeah. Vegas? I don't know. Anyway. Before we move on to the, the first place New York football <laughs> Giants, uh, go check out our prop bet partner, Thrive Daily Fantasy, uh, Thrive Fantasy Sports, the Thrive Fantasy app. Lots of different stuff going on. I tell you to go check out their Wednesday prop bets, but I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but they've updated their prop bets for the Pittsburgh <laughs> Ravens, Rockefeller Center special. It's going to be a good one. They're kind of off as far as pertains to the weekend because nobody knows what the hell is going on yet. But check them out. Check them out on Friday for the NFL props. Drop 25 bucks. Put in our code SEC247, and you get a free matching play, and you can win some cash. Hey, prop up. On that note, Daniel Jones, hold on. <laughs> From the 12, Jones keeps, gets a block. Oh boy, Daniel Jones, rough year. Did someone did the sniper take out his hamstring? Is that what happened? Or I was gonna say maybe that was the beginning of the hamstring issue. It could have been. It could have been when he was shot from the upper deck of uh, Lincoln Financial Field. Daniel Jones, Giants win, Giants win, Giants win. Daniel Jones goes down with a hamstring injury. He's what week to week at this at this juncture. Yeah, so they took him to the hospital for a special surgery, which is um, the orthopedic hospital for the Giants in, in New York, and got MRIs. They determined it's not a major strain. I, you know, I don't really know these things too well, but there's even an outside chance he could play this week. I don't think so. I think he will probably play next week. That is my guess. Absolute worst case, he misses two games. That that seems to be the prognosis, but is that? See, this is good though. This is good as a. a well, let's let's take a step back. The <laughs> Giants win; they're in first place in the division. What is the mindset of the Giant fan? Now, I I read NJ.com. I see yeah. Politi's Steve Politi, you know, the writer. It's yeah. very much like the Giants have a shot here. What is the pulse of the rest of of Big Blue fandom? Do they? want to run for this division or is it like oh shit so it's interesting um i will tell you that giant fans are they're ecstatic why the last time the new york giants were in first place in the nfc east was when the final seconds ended of the 2011 regular season wow really yeah unless it was 
unless maybe 2012 we were six and two and then we just tanked the rest of the season. So perhaps then, but so it's been a long, cause even in 2016, we made the playoffs. That was uh Dak and Zeke's rookie year when they went off and were like 14 and two or whatever. So it's been a long time for, for a giant fan to be like, we're in first place. Now I, everyone recognizes the unique and rather pathetic nature of, of this first place position. But, you know, it's just funny. It's December 2nd, and here we are. The New York Giants are, you know, in first place. It's rather remarkable. Now, in terms of moving forward, it is there is sort of like this debate going on, you see, which is, okay, well, you have the, you know, the super optimist. We're like, look, you know, the last two times we made the playoffs uh, or, you know, the Super Bowl wins, you, you know, we weren't great then. I'm like, I think that's a little ridiculous. I mean, one year, one of the years we had a Hall of Famer. We were 10 and yeah. 6 and then 9 yeah. and 7 and got healthy. They were good. They were decent teams that got super hot. That's not happening here. You had Eli Manning as your quarterback. For, yeah. And people will, people will shit all over Eli. Eli was a very good quarterback. I, yeah. I mean, outside of the two Super Bowls, he's not he's way better than Daniel Jones, who's now hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even 2012 was a random year, but you had a really good receiving core. The defensive line got healthy and it just took off. That is not going on right now. Um, you know, look, I will say if you, you know, rewind and we go back to a few episodes ago after that Tampa Bay game when I was shitting on Daniel Jones. Am I higher on him now? Slightly. Okay. I don't, I still would love to get Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. That's not happening now. Uh, so you know what? He might as well get some playoff experience. That's kind of the way I look at it. Wow. Uh, we have a complete <laughs> no, no, look of the script here. It, it, okay. You know me. I, I've, I would love right now. There's three players I've targeted for the Giants. Jamar Chase from uh, LSU, Micah Parsons from that team from Pennsylvania, and Gregory Rousseau from Miami, defensive end. So I would, if the Giants don't get make the playoffs, they're going to end up in that seven to eleven range pick. Uh, otherwise, you know what? Let Daniel Jones and these guys get some experience. I, I do appreciate these guys play hard, they play smart, and I got to tell you, you know who might be my favorite player in the league now. And he even wasn't, even though he's a Rutgers guy, Logan Ryan is such a leader and playing so well. Uh, you know, every week he's making big plays. You know, he's leading the Pro Bowl vote for free safety in the uh, NFC. I happen to see that when Rutgers uh, yeah. tweeted that. Yeah. I mean, it's well-deserved. He's, he's playing that well. And so is James Bradbury. Um, Blake Martinez is playing well. Heck, Leonard Williams is playing well. He's finally I, – I, I still don't think he's worth $16 million a year, but he's – right now I'd, I'd give him like 13 <laughs> right? I, they're playing hard, and, and look, they're actually very injured. They're, they're top five outside linebacker rush ends. They're all hurt or no longer on the team or traded away. So, I mean, they had, they're literally picking up guys off the street. We had a guy made his NFL debut from Dartmouth at an interception, this defensive lineman. They're playing hard. The offensive line is playing better. I, you know, I, Wayne Gallman is doing things that Saquon Barkley couldn't do. 
that shows you another. But look, the end of the day, I, I also think the putts of East Rutherford's going to stay, and and that is a that good hurt, thing yeah. for Eagles fans, yeah. Cowboys fans, and Washington fans. Well, well uh, let's ru- let's run this down real quick. So at yeah. Seattle next week, yeah, it's a trip, a loss. but it, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. And we just talked about Seattle offensively. Seattle has been, eh, you know, and any team with a heartbeat offensively has been able to play with them. Yeah, but but now we're bringing in Colt McCoy. Fair point. Fair point. So, by the way, do you know who the Giants uh, brought in yesterday? No, Joe Webb. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. I know. I'm so excited about this. Joe Webb. We could have a Joe Webb special with Joe Webb. Yeah, because he's he, he's he's definitely he's interacted with us before. Yes, he has. On, on I know. That, so, on I know. I'm super. Yeah, that, I know. You, you, you got the plug there. I, I was very excited about that. Um, so, so Giants have the Seahawks, then, then the Cardinals, then the Cardinals Bronx. with Daniel Jones. Maybe I still I think that's a loss. So, you, but you, you it's think, close. So next two that puts them at four and nine. <laughs> ah, yeah, and then the Ravens. Which look at this point, Baltimore is is a beatable team. They're very they're becoming a one dimensional team yeah well and look here's the other and look i know you you know you're speaking about the eagles and how negative it is what happened to baltimore could happen to any of the other 31 teams so i'm not saying and i'm also not rooting for this and not because of the eagles but because i don't want anyone to get covid you know the saints could come down two weeks from now and everyone could get covid and then the eagles are going to end up playing you know a taxi squad and, and beat them so you never know but having said that, yeah, I, I to me, I think there's Arizona's tough. Then you have well, I think I I think Cleveland is beatable. I don't, you know, they're to me, they're one of the shittiest eight and three teams ever. Um I think the Giants could beat Dallas. We'll say I I don't know. You know, I if if the Giants win the division, it's gonna be because they were six and ten. And the Eagles could only win two games out of these games left, and Washington ends up at six and ten. That's how I don't see the Giants getting to seven. But you know, I see, I I see improvement, and that's really all I could ask for. I like hey, the coach. I, I, look, I like the coach. I told you I like the defense. I, I like yeah, the, I like the certain, defense. There's a certain type of toughness that, that you can see that this Giants team has, and I look at a team like the Eagles where. Uh, they tried to manufacture toughness on on Monday night with the stupid penalties. Yeah. This Giants team plays hard, and that's scary when you're looking inside the division. At te- like when teams play a certain way, Dallas, when they had their healthy linebackers, played that way defensively. They played hard. They played tough. Giants yeah. play tough. And uh, maybe it's a switch in the division. I don't know. I look, I don't I still am not entirely sold that Daniel Jones is the guy long term, but um, you know, he's playing better. That offensive line, it's night and day. If that offensive line played like that at the beginning of this year, the Giants would have already had this division locked up. Because they would have won all, if you think about it, if the Giants have one or two more wins, the, the, the division's it's over. over. It's and they've right. you know, they probably should have beaten the Eagles the first time. Agreed. And then, I mean, the Bear game came down in the last play. The Tampa game came down in the last play. There's a Dallas came down in the last play. So, I, you know, look, I'm I'm pleased at the progression. 
I, I, I do think it's going to save the putts his job. So we'll see how that plays in the long term. Um, it's going to be interesting with a reduced salary cap next season. But I'm I, look, I, I'm still a fan, right? And they're in first place. It, it's ha- I, I haven't been able to say that in a very long time, even though this is the most ridiculous situation of all time. And I recognize that. That's all right. You got you got to play to win the game, right? Yeah. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Herm said it better than I. There you go. Yeah. Let's. Anything else on the Giants before we move on to some uh, fancy, fancy uniform stuff? Evan Ingram is maddening. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Don't talk to me about him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Fantasy, you got him. It's unbelievable. As a fantasy player. Uh, you know, that guy. At least be consistently at, consistent at something. Be consistently good or consistently bad. We're going to get to our uniform matchups, uniform combinations that we really liked this week and some that we didn't. Usually it's two and two, but I got one and three. I'm allowed to make an amendment to the rule here. So yeah. let's get started. The ones that we liked. Very nice. High five. I'll lead it off uh, this week here. Uniform matchup that I really, really liked, and it pains me to say it. Penn State, Michigan just looks so good. It's such a classic matchup. And it was even better that both teams were playing kind of shitty. And it makes it better. But it, it's just such a good look. I, it's one of those things where, like, I, that's college football right there. Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. I, I saw it. I just my hatred for that team from Pennsylvania wouldn't allow me to do it, particularly in light of of this week. But but it's still if you're staying true to the value of just the aesthetics, it made sense. Um, we talk about classic football. I think this is another one that stands out to me: Chicago at Green Bay. Um, I actually think there are other combinations of uniforms that could have been used by Chicago, which would have made it even better. But even then you get Chicago and green Bay. It's classic. It can't go wrong unless Chicago uses those orange unis and they weren't there. So we're good. Do you have another? I yeah. Have one you that, want me to do my second good one? Yeah, Do your second. Cause I have one that I'm, you're, you're going to, I have it on, I have it like sitting in the middle of the list. So I have it more as negative than a positive. So we'll get to it when, there. So what's your second one? My second one is uh, Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. I was very pleased to see the Oklahoma Oklahoma State bring back the old helmet. It looked nice. And oh, Texas they, Tech, you normally with the weird piping and, and yeah. they, you know, I, I'm not a. It's not that I don't like a white jersey with black um, pants because sometimes it can be nice. But I did like the all white from Texas Tech. It just it was a nice looking game. What color was their helmet? It was a white helmet. There you go. Uh, let's move on to it. Let's move on to the things. For everything that's good, there's also, eh, you know, not so much. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about. No, not you, Herm. No, don't like that. I got to start here with Oregon, Oregon State. I don't know if I liked it or if I hated it. Because this thing, for anyone who saw it, it was the battle of the high visibility colors. And I don't know if it 
the reason I liked it maybe is because of the fog rolling in early in that mm-hmm. game. Yeah. But or or here's Oregon in their you know yellow highlighter uh, yellow, and then you have Oregon State the beeves traditional usually traditional orange but this orange was brighter it was like a brighter it was almost like a high visibility orange i i don't know if i hated it or not i couldn't i i really couldn't tell so I, i'm gonna put it right now on my hate list okay could have done better but i have an nfl one that really pissed me off you want to do because you did three you want to do your second oh, one now yeah so buffalo awesome great look throwbacks love it God damn it, Chargers. What were you doing? Like, come on. You went with the all mono navy blue when you could have paired this with your beautiful looking gold pants, baby blue powder blue jersey, and your white helmet. And this would have been like a throwback to the AFL. What were you thinking? I, I don't know. I, I, I debated putting that one there. So my first one was actually your first negative one, Oregon at Oregon State. To me, you know, you look back at some of their previous games, and it's been some of the prettier jersey matchups. Start with Oregon. And particularly when they're playing Oregon State, I like them to go with yellow and green. Go with your, your traditional colors. Don't go with the black. And so that was the disappointment. The Oregon State, I know I've put in Oregon State before, and that was actually with their black uniforms. These also are atrocious. The neon nature to it. And then, I'm sorry, any jersey that says beeves, it's ridiculous. Put beavers. You're not, what are the beeves? It's so stupid. I I, I just, I'm so, and I, frankly, they, they will be on my list every week until they change almost. It's the jersey says beeves. It's so dumb. I don't know. Maybe it's a uh, Northwest thing. I, I don't. I don't know. I just yeah. So that's that's why they made my list. My next one, my final one. Maryland doesn't usually never, unless they go throwback, never has a good looking uni. They're just ugly with yeah. whatever they're trying to pull off. Indiana has a traditional classic uniform. Well, that is until this week, where they decided to go camouflage. And I get it. They're, they're honoring veterans. We, we don't have to get into that, but they went this camouflaged nonsense. You're, you're not, you're not army. You don't get to play around with that, which by the way, did you see that the tropic lightning? Yeah. Oh, army armies. You like it? Yeah. They're better than Navy in the uniform bracket this, this year. Yeah. And I don't know what Indiana was doing it, on top of Maryland's nonsense. And you get Indiana. Not good. Yeah. Not good. I, I agree with you. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about this more in the off season. I don't, you know, even when the teams start putting like Rutgers, when they played army, they put like the, uh, the flag as part of the R look, I'm all for supporting our service academies. I'm all for supporting our armed forces. I almost feel like, but do that. Don't you don't need to do that. Let let them have that. That's their thing. You shouldn't infringe on that. Okay, well, we can talk about that later. Well, uh, and we're big we're big UniWatch fans. So yes. people know that. So if you're if you're on the boards of UniWatch and if you read that column that blog by by Paul Lucas and company, they're very they they call it pandering. You know, they call yeah. it pandering. And I I agree. Like there's no. Yeah, let let them have it. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so my last one uh, was Pitt at Clemson. Pitt is a it's a really pretty uniform. We've talked about it. they've made both of our lists for, in terms of the nice matchups, but the all purple Clemson uniform to me, some people like it. I, I'm not a fan. Uh, to me, that they're they're to me they're one of the more iconic jerseys than the orange jersey and the purple. Just I'm not no, absolutely not. So they made my list. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. As someone who has worn purple over purple in their lifetime as a football player, it, it, it's not not good. You made it look good. I wouldn't go that far. You know what though? All this talk about uniforms and all this football, you know, it's making me. It's making me a little bit hungry. How about some pretzels? These pretzels are making me thirsty. Ah, yes, thirsty as well. Yes. Let's get to it. I will give you the start here. These are four four pretzels and a lap award. Remember, pretzel good, a lap bad. So my first pretzel goes out to Sarah Fuller, a kicker from Vanderbilt. First female football player to play – for a Power 5 football team, she had the second-half opening kickoff and the 41-0 loss to Missouri. Look, you know, I give her a lot of credit. Um, there are a lot of naysayers out there. She did her job. She was graceful with it, was very graceful in all the interviews, and I congratulate her. And, and look, I'm all for equal opportunity and things and, and uh, women's rights and, and things of that nature, and it, it's great when someone is able to kick down a door or a barrier that hasn't, you know, that's sort of been there for a while. So um, congrats to Sarah. I think she actually is still – I think they're playing – she's going to be dressed for their next game this week, um, even though their coach got fired or, or resigned. I forgot. That's what happens when you lose 41 nothing sometimes, though. Um, it wasn't her fault. She, had, she did exactly what they asked her to do. Absolutely. I agree with you. I agree with you so much. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of crossover here, and we don't – Discuss these. No, so yeah, we, we keep these. Uh, probably right, make air. Yeah. I have Sarah Fuller as mine as well for kind of the reasons you played out. And also, I saw a lot of hatred and vitriol on the internet over the fact that there was a female kicking for a Power Five program. You just shut up. Just stop. Yeah. You know, like this was a good thing. Can't we have good things or do we just have to be a bunch of negative pricks in this world? You know, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I know where it comes from a bunch of sexist jerks, you know, who still fly flags at, you know, you lost again, again, anyway, uh, Sarah Fuller, mine, i uh, keep the political stuff for something else. Yeah. Uh, my number two goes out to David Kessenberry. Kessenberry. I don't unfortunately know how to pronounce it. Offensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans. For those who don't know, to give a little bit of background, he was a former college walk-on at San Jose State, eventually made scholarship on the team. Drafted by the Texans his rookie year, injures his foot, uh, misses the entire year. His second year, uh, he was diagnosed with non-Hoskins lymphoma, was able to defeat the uh, disease, and got back to the Texans and then ended up on the Titans uh, as a backup offensive lineman. Well, this week, he made his first career start at offensive tackle in a huge game where the Titans defeated the Colts 45-26 to take the lead in the AFC South. So, David, that's – I mean, talk about perseverance and courage. Uh, that's – you know, and he's a big guy like us. He's, he's a the big man offensive lineman. Uh, to me, that's wonderful. 
Congratulations. Take a pretzel. Yes. Take multiple pretzels. We have a whole <laughs> one. Uh, my number three goes to. Wait, what about your number two? Well, my two, yeah. So I'm kind okay. Of, well, okay. You, you know, I'm looking at it in reverse order. Uh, Jared Patterson, Buffalo University, 409 rushing yards, eight touchdowns on 36 carries. I mean, you put up that kind of number. That's that's like somebody was playing NCAA football 14 on freshman mode is what happened there. And you get a pretzel for that. That's incredible. That's just and and you do it in a pretty nice looking uniform. Could have made the list. I agree. In fact, I agree so much. I gave Jared Patterson a pretzel. Uh, as you said, uh, 36 carries, 409 yards. I believe last week he ran for 260 yards, with five touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, the team put up 70 points. They're undefeated. Congrats to the Buffalo Bulls, not the Bills. Um, weird stadium, too, but that's not his fault. Uh, but, yeah, you know, and he, he actually had a great um, – he tweeted last night, he showed his rival's profile. And on rivals, he was ranked as a two-star at 5.2. And he did a, you know, stars don't mean bleep. Uh, and Because he's also a legitimate, he's a mid-round prospect uh, for the upcoming NFL draft. And we'll we'll definitely talk about him in the offseason. So congrats to him. Big time, multiple pretzels. Yeah, he gets a whole, he gets a, he gets a 12 count there, I think. Yeah. My next guy, we already mentioned him, Kendall Hinton from uh, the Broncos. You know, you're going to step in as a as a wide receiver, practice squad guy, and play college, and play football, debut as a quarterback in the National Football League. That's pretty cool. And I don't care what happens, you get a pretzel. You get a pretzel. You 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 manned up. You had some guts. You had some balls. Enjoy the pretzel out there in the. Uh, high atmosphere of Denver. Yeah. So Jared, as we mentioned, Jared Patterson had quite a day with 409 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, this next running back even upped him. And that is Jonathan Brooks running back from Hallettsville high school in Texas. He's a 2021 Texas commit. Now, Mike, first very cool thing, the Hallettsville high school team, you know what their uh, mascot is? The Brahma Bulls. Oh, I know these guys. Yeah, okay. So, and on their yep. jersey, they are the Brahmas, which I think is awesome, and I think a certain Dwayne Johnson should pay attention to that. Uh, so, they had a Class Three A Division One playoff game, and he, their team won. I'll get to the score in a second, but he had a so-so day: twenty-seven carries, five hundred and one yards, and nine touchdowns. So yeah. he frankly needs pretzels because I'm sure he needs he's got to be at a carb deficit right now. I I don't think I've run that in my entire life. So yeah, you no, know what? I def yeah, definitely. He not, needs not some pretzels. So Jonathan Brooks, congrats and best of luck. You're going to a school with a really sh shitty defensive coordinator right now, but that's not your fault. Congrats on your commitment to Texas. You know, I I, I appreciate you bringing up that really shitty defensive coordinator because my number one. It's going to go to Coach Greg Schiano on the anniversary of Greg Schiano recommitting and coming back to Rutgers as the head coach. I got to tell you, as we're fans, we have the Night Talk podcast dropping later this week where we preview the game against that other team from the other side, from the other state. Um, 
this is just being nothing short of remarkable. And there's people who can and say, oh, Rutgers doesn't deserve to be in the Big Ten. Yeah, oh, I kiss my ass, okay? You know what? Rutgers football is back. The brand is back. It, it, it's going to take some time. But yeah. the overall culture change of this program and the pride that, you know, I now feel to wear my, my scarlet R around, you know, the block R, it's just incredible to see what he has done, not only on the field, but for these kids who suffered under Chris Ash, you know, the, the D coordinator now at Texas for so long and were beaten up for so long to see how these kids are playing the game. It's just, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable. It's more than I would have expected. You know, they got to close things out. We got to see what happens now, but Greg Schiano, thank you. Thank you very much for all the craziness of 2020. Uh, he's made it fun to watch Rutgers football again, and I appreciate that. He gets my number one. Look, if if they do what I think they're going to do this weekend, he'll be number one for the rest of, for the rest of the year. Fingers crossed. So it's it's lap time. Oh, it is lap time. But hold on a second. I I actually have to. Uh, to to do an honorable mention here, I know okay. you're, you're you're looking at me like, well, what the hell? All right, so Sean Gleason, we're going to stick with Rutgers here, offensive coordinator for Rutgers, uh, yeah. ha- has one hell of 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 two days. His wife has a child. Him and his wife have a baby. Uh, William, congratulations, their third son, born on Saturday. He takes then a flight out to to Purdue and really just she just does a cr- creative job driving Rutgers offensively to the upset of uh, the Boilermakers. But but here here's the thing. Here's the backstory. Lauren Gleason is my honorable mention. Because Lauren Gleason, his wife, who just pushes out a child, says to him, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Get on the plane. Get going. Go out there and win the game. She's chopping. She was she, chopping. chopping. She was chopping from the maternity ward. So, so he does just that. So he goes, he does his whole thing. Then this is all in a Steve Politi article, by the way, which uh, I will tweet out. It's a, it's a, I, I believe it's a subscriber exclusive, but we'll still tweet it out nonetheless. Yeah. You know, so her quote, would you go win the damn game now? So he goes and he does it. Guess what? Now she tells him, what are you doing here? It's Penn state week. Go focus on beating the Nittany Lions. Lauren, you get a bunch of pretzels. You probably need them. Yeah. That, that, Lauren has her priorities straight. And, and as you mentioned, Mazel Tov to the Gleason family uh, All right, let, on, on their addition. Absolutely. Let's let's run a few laps now. I think I've got to run off these pretzels. Terrible. Take a lap. God awful. Get going. You want to start or should I? Okay, I'll start. Uh, so – because of all the craziness uh, last week, we, we actually missed our pretzels and laps. And even though I think there were some deserving candidates from this week, uh, I, I wanted to go back and, and this guy deserves a lap. So as many of you will recall, last week, um, Teddy Bridgewater was hurt. And uh, as a result, the Carolina Panthers turned to back up P.J. Walker um, formerly of the XFL and also the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he was 24 of 34, threw for 258 yards, threw a touchdown, did throw two picks, 
but um, you know they did win twenty to nothing, and you know so PJ Walker for those that don't know attended Elizabeth High School, and it was his dream to attend Rutgers University to play football. Uh, the head coach at the time did not believe in his quarterbacking abilities. And instead, he ended up at Temple, where he played very well under Matt Rule. And now we see that he at least can play for one week as a competent NFL quarterback. And that coach that I was referencing is none other than Kyle Flood. Kyle Flood, you're going to run a lap because the guy that we just talked about in terms of uh, the pretzels, Greg Schiano, he handed you the keys to this program. I know it was a sudden thing when he took the Tampa Bay job and you absolutely tarred the prestige and reputation of not only the program, but the university, there were crime sprees under your, under your uh, leadership. You screwed around with academics all while attending concerts the night before games. Uh, and also if you look at the recruiting of one Kyle flood, um, you know, I'm not going to, I don't like to throw kids under the bus, but the four kids that Kyle Flood signed, none of them made it to the NFL. Blake Rankin, Chris Laviano, Giovanni Rochino, and Michael Dare, none of them made it to the NFL. Um, not saying any of them were bad guys or anything of that nature, but, um, P- you know, P.J. Walker did, and he wanted to play for the Scarlet Knights. So, Kyle Flood, you're a schmuck, and you got to run a lap. I got to follow that up somehow. Just let it let it be. Uh, my lap, I've already addressed this individual, is one Howie Roseman. Not only should you run a lap, you should just run a lap back to your broom closet. Maybe Chip Kelly really did have the right idea to send you to the broom closet on the other side of the NovaCare complex. Because this is just, we talked about it, it's getting out of control here at this point. I, I'm watching Jalen Rager do his thing fine. I can't even find J.J. Ortega Whiteside. Nowhere to be found. But here, here is D.K. Metcalf. And I get it. He had injury. He was injury prone. All this nonsense. Going crazy against the Philadelphia Eagles. I watch all these guys that go elsewhere. The Rasul Douglases of the world. The, uh, you know, these guys that you draft that just go either somewhere else and play better or you don't draft at all. Howie Roseman is the reason the Eagles are in this boat right now. Howie Roseman and his dumb, I have to be better than everybody else approach and pick these projects. This is football, man. Pick the best football player and you will, you're guaranteed to do better than you're doing now. But no, you got to get the speedster who maybe can play and you got to go reach in the first round. You got to take the quarterback from Alabama because I don't know why. Because so he can go play two plays in a game and can't wear the right helmet. And you put your coach and your franchise quarterback in a quandary. Howie Roseman, run the lap. Just start running. Run around the NovaCare complex. Back to your, 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 your thing, your little shed or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, go. Get out of here. Get going. See ya. Leave. Bye. That was great. <laughs> That's a good rant. On that note, follow us on social media at GL Stand Show, Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook. We'll be back for a football Friday. It's going to be what? What about our top five and bottom five? Oh, no, it's going on the web. 
That's going oh, on the okay. web. Okay. No, that's going to that's going to go on the web. Our power rankings. Sorry, Jets. We're going to save you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to save you. That's going to be on the website. GLStand.automatic.net. Also, the GoalLineStand.com. Maybe if uh, that, we want to get that working, we're working on it. I'm Mike. That's Brett. We will catch you later in the week. <laughs>